This week's guest is Lisa Talbert, joins us from Portland, Oregon. Lisa has over 15 years experience in the industry, working in numerous settings ranging from dive bars, upscale dining, family restaurants, distilleries, craft cocktail lounges, and casinos. During the pandemic, Lisa started her Drinkstagram journey as a hobby and as a break from the rigors of pandemic life. Make sure you check out Lisa's profile on Instagram at lisa.sips or check the show notes for the links. Enjoy the show. Okay, we are back with another episode of the Industry Podcast. You're with Kip and Dan, as usual. What's going on, man? Oh, you know, just hanging out, uh, enjoying this really cold weather we got. All yeah, it's pretty cold now. Pretty yeah, cold. yeah, I guess that happens this time of the year, every Funny year how that for works. the last yeah. 50 years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how things go with you? Great, great. Couldn't be better. Nice. And uh, my usual question, how's business at your Troika of bars? Uh, you know, it's uh, up and down, just like always. And we're in uh, still living pandemic, post-pandemic hell. But uh, right. Christmas season is upon us, so that will be good for all of the places. Lots of parties booked, so we're excited about that. Yeah, that's good. And if you'd like to book a party at any of my establishments, it's uh, Sugar Run, at Sugar Run Bar on Instagram or info at sugarrun.ca to book a party there. That's the Speakeasy in Kitchener. Uptown Waterloo at Babylon Sisters Bar or hello at babylonsistersbar.ca. And then the Argyle Arms in lovely Preston, Ontario. Hello at argylearms.ca or at argyle underscore arms underscore 2023 on Instagram. <laughs> I'll figure that one out eventually. What uh, happens in 2024 with that handle? Uh, which is 2023 forever. Yeah. It's like a, t- it's a time warp. You're just stuck yeah. there. Oh, perfect. But much like Preston. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but lots of good stuff coming up at all those bars. We have constant different varieties of live entertainment at each of the three bars. So you're going to want to follow those Instagram handles to check out what's going on there. If you want, if you're enjoying what we're doing here on the show, then subscribe, rate and review. That helps out tremendously. And uh, you can reach out if you'd like to be a guest on the show. Info at the industry dot club or at the industry podcast on instagram you can dm us directly uh, that's where you'll find the lovely artwork from zach hannah at zach hannah.co who does all the great artwork for our instagram page uh zach's amazing check out his work z-a-k-h-a-n-n-a-h.co zach hannah.co anything else you want to talk about or should we just get to our guest oh, let's just get right to our guest all right lisa talbert's with us how are you lisa i'm not gonna lie to you it's the worst day of my life so what? business as usual Oh, really? It's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did not see that coming. <laughs> I use that as a sympathy card at my bones. I'm like, oh, man, it's a terrible day. <laughs> Only a few dollars would make this better. <laughs> so you're coming to us from Portland, Oregon. And where the are you? Worst. The worst place. Yeah, it looks no. pretty nice in, your, in, in, in the re- you know, in behind you there. Yeah. It's, you got much yeah, better weather than nice. we do. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah. we're around freezing. I market. got lucky today. Yeah. How long have you been in Portland? I've been in Portland this year. No, it's coming on four years now. Oh, nice. So, yeah. so originally also- from Seattle. Oh, okay. So, yeah, it's not that far away. Not too far. And then we uh, moved around, by, I think, maybe the past five years. This is the third state I've lived in in the past five years. So, oh, so just making my rounds. How come? Why so much moving? Well, my husband's on a career climb. He's not in this industry at all, mm-hmm. which is nice for me somebody yeah. has a real job not, right. not me <laughs> somebody so we're just like you know on this career growth we're just making our way around the country oh, nice. i think we're going to be here for a few years and uh what's the bar scene like in portland are you working in a bar or restaurant right now i am working 
Well, I'm kind of working on two two different spectrums. I work at a kind of craft cocktail lounge, and I and I work boutique service at like a boutique hotel oh, cool. um, in downtown Portland. And then I work uh, my busy nights uh, at an Irish pub. So kind of the best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. So like have my foot in the craft world, and then family dining, or or really like Irish pub is it's its own beast, which is I love it by the way. Um, so kind of have my foot on both ends of the spectrum. Currently, yeah. What's the what's what's it like working a tea service? Like, what's the clientele like for something like that? I'm not gonna lie; it's very pretentious. The type yeah. of bar, <laughs> although I do like it, the craft aspect of it, I absolutely love because I get the chance to to be creative and, and bang out some really really unique style of cocktails. But it's like a you know, it's an Instagram worthy place where you don't get a lot of repeat clientele. People are here for a good time to to really have like a unique experience which is wonderful and i love doing that um but uh, you know you're in the biz your your money comes from regulars which Mm. is why i have irish pub which is nothing but regulars it's like family style dining it's it's really really casual and it's really uh people are comfortable there so they don't mind spending the money every single day although the tea service is a lovely break and you get to see new faces all the time i love them both Mm. um i can't say i prefer one over the other well, it's good to have both, right? Because they're so different. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, that uh, you bring up an interesting point, though, because I two of my places are definitely like of the craft cocktail, like wine type service. And do you? I've sort of noticed that as well. It, do you find that that it is harder to sort of gain a crowd of quote unquote regulars? Like it's more people just trying it out every now and then. Why? Why do you think that is? Do you think it's because of pricing or? I just feel like it's such a unique experience, and it is. A little bit of an elevated experience too. So Mm. unless you really... And there's not too many places in Portland that offer a high tea service. And what makes our place unique is within the hotel, it's like a historic room. It's called Abigail Hall. And uh, dates back to the, I think think like 100 years ago when women's suffrage movement, Abigail Hall is named after one of the leaders of that. And they would hold their meetings in there. So the room is stunning. Hand-painted walls. The furniture is really, really gorgeous victorian style like early early century style so it's not something that you can just do all the time and mm. it, it's more of an experience thing i would say that if you were if you did it like twice a year that would be incredible it would be an mm. amazing experience really you wouldn't forget the experience but if you want to go and like who goes to casually have high tea where people are dressing in their you know their right. sunday best and pouring tea and Having these really elevated cocktails to pair with it, or or like spirit pairings, that's like an experience you don't want to you don't want to water it down by having it too many times. I feel yeah, and like you're you're kind of out for a special experience that night. It's like oh, let's go to the cool like craft cocktail yeah. high tea bars as opposed to like at your Irish pub it's like that's just like an everyday kind of bar where yeah. people are going to hang out and it's funny like even myself I gravitate the where I drink to this same place where I used to work where it's like sort of the local watering hole in Uptown Waterloo where we go all the time and so like that's where I'll go for my drinks even though like the bars that I choose to open are more of the sort of craft cocktail special experience type mm-hmm. place but it almost works against you having that sort of experience because as we both know like you make your money on the backbone of the regulars that's true but if you are creative i i don't i feel like it's such a necessary place because people still do crave those types of experiences mm-hmm. i feel like there is money to be made in those places as a bartender because you're offering such a unique ex- like one-of-a-kind experience it's a cocktail experience mm-hmm. you're not going just for casual drinks you're not gonna i would never 
go to like a, a craft bar or or like a you know something that's catered towards um like that style of creativity that that elevated experience and, and go order a classic cocktail i'm not going in for that i can get that anywhere right uh, but you know if i'm going for a you know, I'm going for a cocktail experience when I go to a place like that. And I feel like those places are still necessary. It sucks that obviously, like I said, you don't want to water down the experience. You want it to be incredible every time. So it's like mm -hmm. a, an occasional thing. Yeah. So when you are sort of toggling between the two spots, it's kind of a, an interesting experience for you because you get to be like sort of more reserved style service at the cocktail spot and then you go to more casual style service at the pub and so it, it's kind of it's kind of nice because i think like having worked in both styles of spot like sometimes you get over socialized in like the kind of casual regular spot and you're just like i could just not talk to some fucking people for a little bit <laughs> and then that's true yeah and then on, on the other side sometimes you're just like oh this is so reserved and uptight i wish we could just be a little bit more casual so you kind of get to do both i yeah i get the mm. contrast of both like mm. you're so right like sometimes i'm like and you know when you work in those types of places you the therapist. I'm like, listen, buddy, I've got a million problems in my back pocket right now. <laughs> I get it. I promise you I do, but I was just not coming back, man. I don't it's a really so weird thing. Is, here you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, why does this make you feel better? I don't know. <laughs> like, you know. It probably does. It probably does. <laughs> I'm sure. For the, it's a nice band-aid, but you know, he's, he's still the, I still have to listen to his problems the next day, too. Right. Yeah, yeah his problems so, didn't go away. No. <laughs> no. Oh, I wonder what that, like, I've always wondered why that is. And I don't know if it's just like the addition of alcohol or whatever and lonely dudes coming to the bar, but what? spark this thing where uh like regulars felt like they needed to tell you all of their fucking problems to the bartender they got no one else to because talk you to. can't yeah. leave because yeah. you can't oh, leave right. yeah. yeah even the therapist you only get like an hour right so. <laughs> yeah captive audience and no one else to talk to yeah, yeah. and you're just polished and you're like uh-huh oh man that sucks gary i'm so sorry uh-huh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we for three hours I don't know if we were talking about this on the show the other day or if I was just talking about it to somebody in person, but like the one thing I've noticed is flipped too is like when I was behind the wood all the time and I was listening to, you know, the, the I was being the therapist, I, it, ne it never occurred to me to fucking tell the regulars all my problems. Like that was the separate thing. But now I've seen a switch where like some of the younger generation is very much like telling the regulars all about their personal life and what's going on with them. And I, I just find that such a bizarre thing. I don't like. I never wanted the guests to cringe. know anything about me, right? Oh, like, yeah. yeah. Oh. Like, I want them to know nothing about me. Like, as far as I, yeah. like, uh, as far as That's they how know, you get stalkers. Yeah. <laughs> like, as far as I, the, the guests know, I cease to exist the second I leave that spot. <laughs> you know. Yeah. But, yeah. but it's a new, it's a new weird trend I've noticed, especially with younger women. Like who work in the industry, they're just very like eager to tell the guests all about oh, them. Just put like, a just put a kidnap me sticker on your forehead. But that's the thing, true. You're kind of crossing a line where you're like making the connection more personal than you even mean it to be or want it to be, right? Because uh, you don't yeah. know, like you don't know these fucking people. Like like you said, they could right. be anybody, right? It's yeah. fucking they're weird. telling you exactly what they want you to hear or exactly yeah. what they feel comfortable enough to tell. I mean, it's not like I mean, for instance, like if somebody came to the bar, I'm like, oh, I just can't meet a girlfriend. 
And he's met a few women and they're trapped in his basement. He's not going to tell me that far, but I'm not going to give you any information to make me the next person on the missing persons list. It's crazy. I mean, you know, little things. And and I think it was more prevalent. So I've been behind the bar for many, many years. And uh, behind, I worked in a really crazy busy casino up until I gave birth. My son is nine now, but up, I, to the, the very last week I was about to give birth. And I will not, the most disgusting things came out of people's mouths. I took their money. Yeah. I don't know why I took it, but I'm like, it just, I mean, I'm not sensitive to it because obviously you just can't be, but I just can't imagine like oversharing right. like, too much stuff to make myself like hearing the stuff people said to me. I'm going to share something that really, it was the most standout thing that somebody said to me it was my last day of work. I was not, literally nine months pregnant. I was gonna. I was due to give birth the next week, but I ended up having a baby the next day because I was really just push. I listen, man. Yeah, <laughs> we don't have a retirement plan. This is like behind the bar. <laughs> you make your money. This is that's right. You know, you got to make yeah. it now or you don't. And he crept up behind me. And this guy crept up behind me. He's like, "Girl, I just want to get you double pregnant." Oh, so disgusting. <laughs> disgusting and then he slips me a, a black chip with a hundred dollar bill and i was like okay <laughs> but i'm like can you imagine oversharing so much of your personal life to somebody who would say something like that to yeah you? exactly they're gonna yeah. snatch your ass up you're yeah it's over you're a goner yeah so so, reserve a lot of lots and lots of information. I would never tell anyone too much. Well, what a dirtbag. <laughs> Except you guys. I would tell you guys anything. <laughs> Perfect, because otherwise it's going to be a short show. Yeah, this is weird, right? <laughs> um, so actually, I'm kind of interested about working in the casino. So was that in Portland? That was in Seattle. So in Seattle. Seattle has a different, yeah, so a different kind of... Uh, casino style scene. Uh, unless you are tribal, then you have the big casinos, but they are just littered with uh, card rooms, which can hold like up to max 15 card tables. So mm. technically it was a card room, but they are just everywhere there. Um, and the best money I made in my life, I put my husband through college working in casinos. Wow. So, well, card rooms. So debt free. So like when you, when you talk about working in a card room, like what specifically is your job? You're bartending, you're serving, you're doing it all? Bartending. Yeah. Bartending. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so talk to me a little bit about like, obviously you gave us one example of a pretty big dirtbag who you had to serve, but in general, what's the clientele like there? Because a lot of them are super happy and then others are going to be super angry. Like, um, I would say I will never work in a, in, in a card room or that industry ever again, because it is very soul sucking. I don't know everyone else's experience, but you know, when you make so much money, you almost get desperate to kind of outdo yourself over and over again, because everyone is a degenerate. I hate to say it that way, mm. but it's true. Everyone who's a dealer on the tables has a gambling problem and they're there for hours after work. It's really depressing to see yeah. the same people for your entire shift, not move, unshowered, Come back the very next day. The first thing they do right after they brush their teeth is stand outside the casino doors because it's only open. It's only closed for like a couple hours to clean clean the house, but it's open for like 22, 20 to 22 hours. And some of them are open 24 hours a day. So it's extremely depressing. And I, it, it sucks because I don't want to look at people that way. And I, it's crazy to think I still have a conscience after working this job for so long, but I do. And I don't like to see people in that 
sort of desperate state. And it's more often than not that I see people that way. Yeah. And it's also extremely dangerous. Like a, a friend of mine just was like got caught in a crossfire at one of the card rooms up in Seattle and she was um like she's damaged for life. Like what do you mean a crossfire? Like a shooting? Well, somebody came in there. Yeah. Like it's a dangerous place. Holy fuck. Exp- tell me, okay. I mean, you're dealing with yeah. Don't call well, me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you're about to say, tell the story about what happened? Somebody came in and what? Um, so somebody was like settling a street beef and started firing randomly. She got caught in the crossfire. She was a pit boss there. Um, so they, they don't I mean, have like security like to is, deal with people bringing guns. I mean, in? Th- th- they do, but I mean, you can only pay security so much, and nobody wants to go home in a body bag. Right. So it's sometimes some things are really just unpreventable. Uh-huh. You know, when somebody's at, at, at their height of of anger or rage or or they're on a mission, I mean, there's really nothing anyone can do, and nobody right. gets paid enough to 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 die at work. And that's no. the fact of the matter. Yeah. So, and that's and that's one of the many reasons why I left that industry, although it was. The best paying gig I ever, ever had. I just couldn't do it anymore. So I don't know. I valued my humanity more than I valued the dollar, which I hope most people do. Right. Most people do. But we live in the world today. So we know that's not the case. (laughs) And like, was it the best paying job? Because like when people were winning, then you would be, you'd really clean up with the tips. That's the reason. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. But most people People are generous when they're feeling good. Yeah. Most people lose. But a lot of people win big. And they're feeling generous in that moment. And and it happens enough to where, you know. Interesting. So that's kind of the thing. You're just kind of like, like maybe just regular tips, regular tips, regular tips. Someone wins big. That makes your night. Or even if they're winning big at at a certain string of hands. Right. They're going to tip you out. It's not always at the end of the night. Like they could lose all their money by the end of the night. But while they're on that high, you know, they're kicking you chips. So you're just kind of walking around with the drinks, waiting for them to hit a big hand and be like, now. Pretty much. Or they'll just come to the bar. Like I, I, I kid you not like the biggest flexors I've ever seen. And I'm not mad at them because like I said, they, they put my husband through college debt free, but like when they'd win a massive hand and they'd come and they'd buy, they'd empty the bottle of Louis 13. Oh, yeah. Hennessy parody, and then they'll just tip you fat, and then they'll go back to the tables, and then they'll be in the tank mm. another few thousand dollars. I'm like, gotta catch them while they're high, and it happens. <laughs> I mean, yeah. so <laughs> it's but, not at the end of the night thing; it's throughout the night, you know. But obviously, like a kind of high roller card room you're working in, right? Like it's the like high table stakes, or um, some tables are, but some people are just there and they want to flex, and those are the. Those are the people you want to. Right. Hey, you yeah. need a drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your glass sure. is empty. Let me pick you up. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's. People always pretty... want to impress somebody. Yeah. Oh, I know. Especially in, like, it's either there or the nightclub, right? Like, that you're going to run into that type. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But so you've worked in several different types of jobs. So the casino one's obviously super interesting because we, have, we haven't talked to a lot of people. Who've worked, I think maybe one or two only. Yeah. We've talked to, work, actually worked in casinos. But, um, you also have done fine dining, you've done dive bars, you've done all of the different, and like, is it mostly in Seattle and Portland or in other areas? Um, we, I, I lived for a short time in South Florida and Fort Lauderdale, so there as well. Mm. And what's like, what's your favorite kind of work or does it matter to you? Um, I don't like having just one job. Yeah. Now you just can't afford to have one job. If you work this industry, it's just not, it's not realistic. But I like to have one on two different ends of the spectrum. 
I feel like it keeps me fresh. So I don't really experience the burnout. Mm -hmm. Um, I like always having like two part-time jobs, Mm -hmm. uh, two different styles. And and I feel like consistently that keeps me uh, the most creative because I really do enjoy being a creative. Um, But I just like, I don't know. I feel like it does. I I don't experience the burnout. I think it, I think it's honestly very smart because a lot of people will work a couple of different jobs, but they're very similar, right? It's just like wherever mm-hmm. they can get like a bartending or serving gig or whatever. Uh, but you seem to have targeted like trying to do two very different styles at the same time. And I think that that probably does help you not get bored. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah and I don't want... No, go ahead. Sorry. No, I say like, I really don't want to. I can't. I'm over the pile. Like I'm years old so i'm like don't tell anyone i said that edit that out <laughs> <laughs> and i weigh 120 pounds <laughs> but i'm like i don't i don't see myself doing any other job i really do love this job and i don't mm. want to tire myself so when uh, i know you mentioned in your bio that um from your background, uh, the, the that you put you take a lot from your background to put into your uh, cr- uh, creativity when you're making cocktails. So tell us a little bit about that. So I was born and raised in the Fiji Islands. Uh, what a lot of people don't know for a tiny little island in the South Pacific is that it's extremely diverse. Uh, British colonization brought over uh, a lot of the Chinese, a lot of the Southeast Indian. I mean, South Indian, um, when they brought those people over as indentured servants, they really um, blessed us with their food culture. And a lot of their the foods that they were indigenous there thrive in the Fiji Islands. And, and that blend of food, like with the indigenous Fijian food, which is a lot of seafood, coconut, a lot of the um, taro and, and cassava and, and all of that food, they just married so beautifully together. So a lot of really unique foods that are not can't really find here mm-hmm. but that flavor profile is very similar to like caribbean um style food minus the african influence so the flavors are just incredible and a lot of that stuff i really think of when i think of creating a cocktail the first thing that comes to mind is what would i eat that would right. go really really well with this um for instance there was um so Diwali is happening right now, which is a, a India like a Hindu um, celebration of lights, and a lot of people in Fiji celebrate that, regardless of whether they celebrate the you know believe in the religion or not. It's just like a, a nationwide thing where everyone celebrates. Food is a huge component in that. Gulab jamun is one of the um, Indian uh, desserts, and it's like this little donut, and then it's dressed in like this rose and cardamom syrup, like simple syrup. So I'm like. Oh my rose and cardamom and then i create a cocktail with a syrup like that Mm. or you know so a lot of the different spices that a lot of people wouldn't think of incorporating in drinks like not too long ago i made a um a pickled ginger martini and people were like a pickled ginger martini i was like it's so simple like no one would think to put that in a in a cocktail it's you know we we eat sushi the sushi craze is still happening Mm -hmm. you know no one would think to drink that so That'd that, be a great winter cocktail. Yeah, that sounds dynamite. Yeah. I might have to, quote unquote, steal that from you. <laughs> I, just uh, I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm going to give it to you. There you yeah. go. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is a really good idea. Ooh. Pickled ginger martini. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's sort of interesting. So, like, do you feel like that's kind of giving you a leg up on, like, 
uh, creating sort of interesting cocktails in an area like in the Pacific Northwest there where maybe they're not as used to those sort of flavor profiles? I, I guess I I guess I could think of it that way. I, don't, I just it's hard to say that because I just know so many incredibly creative bartenders mm -hmm. that are you know, thinking of things that I would have never be like, whoa, that that's so inspirational. Like like a like a feta cheese washed in like cocktail. Like sounds like a Mediterranean twist. Like I'm like, that sounds phenomenal. And yeah. I would like give me an idea to do that style with something completely different. Like today on the internet I saw somebody made um like an olive oil wash vodka and I was like, I'm gonna do that with sesame oil. You know, uh, so it doesn't necessarily have to yeah. be the exact same thing, right. but I'm like, it's inspiration. So yeah. I think I hate to say that it would give me a leg up because I just I, I value so many people's creativity just as equal as my own. Um, but I guess I guess. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's, it's just a different. I'm into that kind right? of stuff, though. Yeah, yeah it's I'm a different perspective, kind of right? Stuff. Like it gives you like you have a different notion of flavor profiles from the from where you grew up. It makes sense. Yeah. right? Talk to us a little bit about the difference between the Seattle scene and the Portland scene. Like we're dumbass Canadians. So like to me, the only thing I really know about Seattle and Portland is like grunge and hipster. But <laughs> I'm going to say that there are a lot of people find similarities with Portland and Seattle. And I don't. Okay. I'm going to. And I love Seattle, but I'm going to crap on Portland for a little bit. There's one thing that they do here. I don't know because I moved here in the beginning of the pandemic. Mm. So maybe it's more prevalent. One thing I don't like, I don't like, unless you're in like a family style pub or, or like a dive bar. I hate counter service. And everyone here does. Lots of places here do that. And it makes it weird as a guest when you're going to try and go to an elevated experience restaurant. And you're coming up to the host stand, be like, yeah, I want to order something. I and mean, it's very, it's frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, you sit down and we'll come to you. Mm -hmm. We'll take your order at the table. So I just feel like there's too much counter service. The counter service style here is, it's just something I don't enjoy. I feel like it muddies a, a dining experience for me. Um, and I feel like I just prefer Seattle so much more in that sense. I mm -hmm. love uh, that in Seattle, you can go to lots of, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the Portland food scene. I think it's so creative. It's so wonderful. It's very innovative. But sometimes I don't find a lot of, um, like, I like something specific to, like, if I want to go to a Japanese restaurant, there's one in Seattle, which is a phenomenal place. And if ever you're there, I think you should go there. It's called Maneki, and it's one of the oldest Japanese restaurants in Seattle. It's on Fifth and Jackson, um, but you go there and it's very old world. A lot of the food is regional and it's served in a very comfortable way where you're just like, wow, I feel like this is very um, authentic. And you don't get everything in Portland is very fusion. So if I wanted something more authentic, there are more options in Seattle mm. as opposed to here in Portland where lots of things, although very good, um, are there's multiple different elements of different cultures into it. Yeah. Mm. And I, and sometimes that's nice. Sometimes I just want a bowl of pho. I don't yeah. want, <laughs> yeah. you know, you don't <laughs> like, want it to be fused with a different idea. I don't, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't want a different, like, yeah. yeah. And then, <laughs> and then kimchi tacos on the side. I'm like, I don't want that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So Portland's sort of known for that sort of kind of smashing a bunch of di different ideas together into yeah. like a food or a cocktail or whatever. Right? Yeah. Lots of different fusions. Very cool. Yeah. But sometimes it's, I'm like, I just want, you just want the real Korean thing. food sometimes. I just want, 
tacos, authentic tacos sometimes. Uh, so, yeah. So it's interesting. It's almost like you would say that they've kind of like overdone it now in Portland with this few whole fusion idea. Um, I would say that's my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, yeah. Well, that's yeah, what we're that's, asking that's for. That's my opinion. That's why you're on the fucking show, Lisa. For no, your opinion. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> hey, people are gonna hear this from Portland and they're gonna find me. <laughs> no, it, it sounds like I'm shitting on the town. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, I get totally what you're saying though. It's like yeah, like I it, it is really cool that Portland's known for that sort of thing. And like I I even knew know that from like living here in Kitchener, Ontario, that like Portland's like where you get your kimchi tacos or whatever, right? But it's like, yeah, it's cool. But, but which is good. But sometimes it is nice to just have the authentic, original what right. you're looking for, right? Yeah. So talk to us a little bit about when the pandemic hit. That's when you sort of like like many people, uh, sort of uh, pivoted into doing some more online social media stuff with your bartending, right? Mm-hmm. So how talk to us about how that started and and uh, how you're keeping it going. Well, I moved to Portland January. First, 2020, I literally oh, touched no. down in this town, which was very difficult. Breaking into the even a bartending scene, like if they don't know who you are, mm-hmm. they don't give a shit. Like you're not going to get the job. So it was really, really difficult to even find my first bartending gig. And a lot of the times I was just taking whatever I could, which ended up being really, really toxic, really terribly managed places that would try to manipulate me into management roles with not management prices, which I'm like, my experience on my resume is like, I, I feel like that's an asset, but I don't want it to be like a manipulation tool. Mm-hmm. Like I definitely, which is, and which kind of like segue, uh, segue me into the internet scene. One of the reasons, um, another reason is because I wanted to stay fresh. There was, you know, that's when the first shutdown happened and no one was hiring. Lots of businesses were closing. I'll say now that every place I've worked at, outside of Portland, with the exception of one place, doesn't even exist anymore. And oh, I've been man. in this business Jeez. for almost 20 years. Like, that's heartbreaking. Mm-hmm. Um, um, so I just wanted to stay fresh. I didn't want to lose my... I didn't want to lose any of my my knowledge or... or Because if you don't use it, you lose it. I'm going to tell you... Okay, on top of that, piggybacking on top of that, I'm going to tell you an extremely embarrassing thing about me. And it's, it humiliates me to this day. I got my level two WESET certification for wine. And I couldn't tell you one single thing about wine that I don't even put it on my resume. I'm so humiliated. What do you mean? $1,000. Like I spent all this money and time studying to get this accreditation yeah. to put on my resume. I couldn't tell you a single thing about wine. It's Red or gone white, now. that's it. Yeah, it's just it's, gone. If you don't use it, you lose it. So that's I'm right. like, it's I know that true. about myself. Yeah. yeah. So I know that about myself. So I just really didn't want to, I didn't want to be. You don't want to lose it. Yeah. The sucker that I know that I am. Yeah. So really that's it. So that's why I decided to start doing the the Lisa yeah. sips. Uh, actually, this is a good time to tell our listeners exactly what where where that is to find you on Instagram. What's the exact handle? Lisa dot sips. Yeah. Lisa so uh, yeah, and obviously I checked it out. It, your page is amazing. You're doing some cool stuff on there, but that's an interesting Thank way. You. It's funny because most people. I we talked to obviously so many bartenders who pivoted into doing that during the pandemic, right? Because we started doing mm-hmm. the show. 
basically right before the pandemic hit as well. We've been doing it for a couple of years now. So it's, um, and like everybody had pivoted to doing this social media stuff, but I think you're the first person who's described it as just like, you just didn't want to lose the skill set. Most of them were just like, I don't know how else to make money or I don't know I was bored or whatever. Right. But like, that makes a lot of sense because I know from also doing the WSET courses that like, if you're not like, sometimes I still have to remind myself to go back. like, and I own a wine bar, but I still have to go back and brush up just to be like, okay, wait a second. Like if I'm have to do a training session or something, I still, cause I'm right. not doing it every day. And it's like, it's like learning a language or playing tennis or anything else. Like, it's like you said, if you don't use it, you do lose it. Yeah. So that's a, But yeah, I think you're the first person who's actually described that being the reason why you did it. So that's cool. I think that's really smart. And, and you obviously knew at the end of this, well, like when the lockdowns ended, you were going to need those skills again. <laughs> well, one of them is completely gone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like this is happening in real time. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> oh, the brain funny. is, uh, yeah, I mean, like, and and I, I and this is, I, th- I feel like that's a very endearing thing or a very humbling thing. And I, and I definitely give a lot of credit to a lot of people in, in those professions who are like working a distillery or who are like, uh, wine people like it, I, I have a lot of respect for people who can really just admit be like i don't know that <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. and i hope it comes off the same way in my respect when people ask me cocktail questions because i'm like there's so many things going on in here i'm a hot mess like upstairs it's crazy <laughs> in there so i'm like having to like in my mind i'm like running to cabinets and like shuffling through paperwork like where is amaro where is amaro section like i can't answer all these questions i just don't know and i look I feel like I'm really stupid sometimes. And I'm like, I know I'm not an idiot, but I know that about myself. Like there's only much so much room in my mind. When I learn something new, something's get chucked in my ear. It's <laughs> <laughs> but I like I always tell my staff to like I would rather that they just admit that they don't know something and that they'll try and find the answer for you than try and fucking fake yeah. it. Because you are gonna run into the guest who knows more than you. And if you try and fake it, then that looks way worse. They're going to know. Yeah. yeah. And at the end of the day, you're still working for the tips. I don't know what the how it is. In, but I'm like, I feel yeah. like somebody's like, okay, like, I like that you didn't lie to me about that. I appreciate that. Yeah. Here's, here's my inheritance money. Like, <laughs> it's not going to happen yet. I have. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I got all these like terrible jokes stuck in my head. Like, that takes priority. Like, this personality, (laughs) this is curated. Well, Lisa, thanks so much for joining us for this. It's been super fun talking to you. Like, it's so great to talk to someone who's got such a great down-to-earth attitude about the job and still loves it and, like, loves the industry. And you're obviously going to keep doing it and doing great things. Everybody should check out your Instagram, at lisa.sips, to see what's going on in on the online scenario and come see you at the... Do you want to drop the names of the bars? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Abigail Hall and... T.C. O'Leary. Definitely okay. come hang out if you're in Portland. Don't ask me the addresses. They went out my ear with a lot of the white information. But <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find them on Google. <laughs> That's what Google Maps is for. Uh, yeah. Lisa, you're awesome. Thanks so much for doing this. We really appreciate it. And uh, best of luck with everything. Dip and Dan, you're the best. Thanks a ton. Thank you. Cheers.